You know, when you, you know, like as we celebrate our Independence Day, 4th of July, just a couple days ago, um, we celebrate our freedom, right? We celebrate our freedom. That's traditional in our country, and we celebrate it in different ways. Um, like there's golfers in here, right? How many are golfers? Well, you know, when you get to be as old as me, what used to be called the ladies' tees are now called the forward tees. So old people like me can go and hit from there and feel just virile and everything. We can just pound it out. Um, so some people went and played golf on 4th of July and maybe had a good time, maybe came home frustrated. I don't know. Um, how about Joey Chestnut? You ever hear of Joey Chestnut, 4th of July? Well, Joey Chestnut had a, had a great 4th of July. He was engaged just two days ago. He was engaged to be married, Joey Chestnut. And he, he won his eighth Nathan's hot dog eating contest in a row. Eight hot dog, or eight years in a row he's won this contest. He ate 61 hot dogs in 10 minutes. So that's kind of an odd way to celebrate the 4th of July, our freedom. Cel- us celebrate how much we can eat. Um, but but, it's, but it's, it's different. We celebrate in different ways. But what we should be doing now is celebrating our freedom. Our freedom as a nation, we often take it for granted, right? We become complacent in our freedom. Well, maybe you don't. I know I do. Um, I'm looking for some response. <laughs> maybe I'm not going to get it. Um, but it's okay. I'm used to that. We've already had this message at 5.30 and then at 9 o'clock, so I'm used to no response. So you guys may be setting a new tune here. But, but we do. We get complacent. We get complacent in our freedom, in our, in our nationality. We get free, complacent in our freedom to come and worship. Right? We, get, we get complacent in our freedom to go cast our vote when election time comes, and we think our vote doesn't matter. We just become complacent. And, and, and so that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit today, but not, not about our, our, our national uh, sense of freedom, but what it is that, that Christ Jesus brings and desires for each one of his children that he was talking about in our gospel lesson for this morning. And we, we opened up our, our gospel in, in, uh, in John chapter 8. And we see Jesus gathering with what's called um, with some Jews that had believed, right? Um, John chapter 12 and in and, and verse 31. Um, I mean John chapter 8. That's not, it's not John chapter, John chapter 8. John chapter 8, if you remember, it started out by saying, and Jesus said to the Jews that had believed in him. Now Jews at that point in time, and like in the New Testament, oftentimes Jews are, are refer, it refers to like the religious teachers, those people that should know better, the Pharisees and the scribes and, and the Sadducees, those people that should know better. Um, so I, I don't necessarily know if he's talking about um, those people or if it's just those from the Jewish heritage that had been, um, that had been practicing the law of Moses, had been going to temple or synagogue every uh, Sabbath. Um, well, I'm not really quite sure on who these Jews were, but anyway, it says the Jews who had what? Believed him. The Jews that had believed him. He, he says that if you believe in me and you trust in my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. Free. Now, that sounds like good news, doesn't it? Like if you heard that, Amanda, would you think that that was good news? That's good news. I'm free. I'm free. So these people that were supposed believers in Christ really, really weren't believers, I don't think, because they took exception to what he was saying. They actually took exception to this great news. And they said something to the effect, 
How could you say that you're going to set us free? We have never been enslaved to anybody. Never been enslaved to anybody. Well, you know, if he was if he was talking anywhere around the temple, all he had to do was look at the fortress Antonia and see where the Roman governor's um, residence was. They were they were under the rule and the, the the dominion of Rome at that time. Well, not necessarily being enslaved, they were definitely under Rome's power. And a few year or a few hundred years before that, Alexander the Great, you know, and Macedonian um, tribes that he led into greatness. The Jewish people were kind of under su uh, subjection to them. And if we went back from the time this was said, about 600 years, we would see Daniel and his friends being led into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. And they, and they spent 70 years in bondage in a land that was not their own. And if we went back 750 years before this time that Jesus said that, we'd, we would see the northern kingdom of Israel being taken into captivity by the Assyrian Empire, and they were taken into bondage. These, these tribes that were from the north, and they were, they, they were dispersed, never to regather again where the southern tribes were. They, they came back. So, so they, they, they say now, we've never been in bondage to anybody. How can you say you're going to set us free? But what about the one that we all know about, we read about today in the, in the book of Exodus. When God visited Moses, it was, it was in the burning bush where we were reading today where Brother David read from the book of Exodus in the third chapter. It was when Moses came in contact with this burning bush that wasn't consumed. We know that story. And, and God said, I'm going to come down and, and use you to set my, my people free. They'd been in bondage for about 400 years. They'd been enslaved in where? Egypt. They've been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. So with that type of history in, in, in their family tree, it was an odd argument for them to make when Jesus says, I'm going to set you free. It was an odd argument. If they were going to argue, why did they use this argument? We've never been enslaved to anybody. Now, did you find that kind of odd? But as Jesus said that, that when you, you believe in me and you hear my word and my word will set you free and he who the sun sets free or she who the sun sets free or is free indeed, he means that not only for them, but here 2,000 years later, how many generations have passed? He means it for us today. And I think that oftentimes we become like, like those Jews that first heard it. I don't need to be free. I've never been, and, and I've never, not that I haven't deserved to be incarcerated, but I never have been. I've never been, the only time I've ever been in prison was to, to make visit, maybe do a little ministry in there. Not that I, not that I haven't broken the law, um, but nonetheless, we might be saying, I've never been, I've never been in bondage. I've never been um, enslaved. I don't need to be set free. And we might not with our mouth say that, but we with our lives say that. We've become complacent in our freedom. And when Christ is talking to us today, he's, he's saying, come to me, you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We need to take our burdens to Christ. We need to, we need to take our burdens to him who loves us so well. These burdens that weigh us down. These burdens like, like, uh, like anger and prejudice. We're told that by Christ on his last night that the world would know we belong to him by the love that we show one for another. Yet prejudice enters in and we, we just can't love anybody else. Self-centeredness is a tremendous burden pride. We carry pride with us, and yet over and over and over again throughout Scripture, we hear that pride is not of God, but of the devil. Got to get rid of pride. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've struggled with probably all of those and more. Lust for things of the world. 
monetary wealth, right? Sometimes we spend our whole life trying to amass a fortune. And we, and we look at the stock index first thing every morning. We look at our portfolio. We make sure that things are on the rise. And if not, we take action and we sell. And that's, that, it takes so much of our focus, so much of our attention. And then we can flip that coin, and the complete opposite of that is we don't have enough. Maybe we're unemployed. You know, maybe, we just, maybe we've run into a time in our life where we've hit the skids, right? And, and because we're Christian and because we're, we're living in a, in a free land, we, we kind of keep that to ourselves like it's, a, like it's something to be ashamed of. And nothing but, nothing's farther from the truth. We, we need to become transparent with one another. Even as our Lord Jesus tells us he loves us, he's telling everybody around us that he loves them too, and he wants us to form together in a strong union. The writer of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, um, in chapter 12, he's just, he's just finishing writing about um, the, the great faith chapter in, in Hebrews, chapter 11. You all might, might remember that. Time won't permit us to revisit that. It talks about a lot of people that we're familiar with in the Old Testament, but it also talks about people that we've never heard of before. And yet they're listed as great heroes of the faith, men and women who um, are heroes of the faith. And so uh, the writer of Hebrews um, starts out, Therefore, since we're surrounded, surrounded, all around us, like today, we're surrounded, right? We're surrounded with, with, with brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw aside everything that hinders let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So he says that we've got to lay aside the sin, but he also says we've got to lay aside the things that so easily entangle us, so easily trip us up. And so there are many things that we become involved in or that become paramount in our life that aren't necessarily sin on face value or on surface value, but, but when we really look at it, we realize that this certain activity or this certain practice or this certain thing, this certain thought is taking me away from my family, is taking me away from Christ. I'm not spending anywhere near as much time as I could with Christ in prayer. I'm not coming to worship with a whole open heart. Rather, I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about my comfort. Somebody probably is in here right now thinking, oh, my butt hurts. These seats are so hard. We've got to get over it. We have to get over it right now. We might be thinking, oh, when I get home, i got to cut and edge at grass because I had to work yesterday. Got to get over that, too. I'm not saying just let your grass go to weeds, but I'm saying put everything in proper perspective. Christ first. Amen? Christ first. And he sets us free. When Christ is first, we will be free, and then we'll be free indeed. His word will pierce our hearts and we'll become changed, unchained. He says, let go of those things that so easily entangle I remember um, when I used to be a runner. Yeah, I don't remember if I ever ran with any of you back in those days, but I haven't been able to run because of different reasons for, for several years now. But, but I, used to, I used to run, and it started out like I, w I would run. I got ready for my first 10K. I still remember that, thinking, oh, man, 6.2 miles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to give it my all, and I'm going to have to train. And that, that first 10K came and went, and then another one. And, and it, you start thinking, well, 10K, what's next? So like maybe a 13-miler. And Pastor Drex and I used to run together all the time. We used to go training all around this area. So um, we'd run a, you know, I ran a 13K. I remember that first one, that Dexter Ann Arbor run. That was a great run. Um, but you start thinking, well, what's next? You know, so you get up to the marathon distance and you're starting to think, oh, I got to train and train. And the strangest thing happened after I ran that first marathon. I was thinking, oh, that wasn't that much. Anybody could do this. What's next? 
And so you run more and more marathons, you qualify for different races, and you just go on. And, and then you start getting involved in, in, you know, these crazy distances I don't even want to talk about because it's just obnoxious, it's so stupid. But, but I did, <laughs> and I'm, I make that confession to you right now, you know. And in, in the midst of all that time, I, I used to uh, subscribe to this magazine called Ultra Runner Magazine. Has anybody ever heard of Ultra Runner Magazine? Anyway, um, in the wintertime around here, if you, unless you're going to go to a southern climate, you really can't run any, you know, great races, any distance runs or whatever. But I found one it is, is in just north of Duluth, Minnesota in the middle of January. I think it was January 17th, maybe that very first one that I, I went up there for. It's called the John Bear Grease Marathon. And um, it's named after a guy that used to deliver the mail, you know, back in dog sled and snowshoe days. Um, and his name was John Bear Grease, Native American. And, um, and so this was a snowshoe marathon, and it was up in the trails in the woods that's just north of, of Duluth, and it was beautiful. I got to tell you, it was beautiful. But um, I, I went up there with a sense of adventure, and then I got there, and I realized that all of these people knew how to run in snowshoes, and I'd never done it before. And so I, I, I rented a set of snowshoes. This fellow that makes these snowshoes um, was there, and he uh, kindly let me use some of his snowshoes uh, for you know, a minimal fee. And, um, and I asked him, is there anything that I need to know about running with these snowshoes on? He says, no, nothing. You just put them on, and then you go. I said, oh, okay, that sounds pretty easy. It's like a pair of shoes. So, you know, we get to the start of the race in this beautiful setting out in the woods, and, and you know, the gun goes off, and I start running within a quarter of a mile. I must have fallen down about five times. I think I can't go on like this. So, you know, what was happening, my left foot kept stepping on my right foot. And so, um, you know, and then under, underneath these snowshoes, that hits the ground, there's like serrated teeth, right? And so, like every time I would do that, I would, I would tear the, the, the binding, the webbing on the right snowshoe. So I thought, okay, if I can just run like a duck, I'm, I'll, I'll have it made. So like my feet were like, were like this in order just to get the snowshoes to go straight. Well, you can only do that so long and they start coming back in and down I'd go again. Anyway, make a long story short, I, I got to the end of the, of the run and I was so thankful that I, that I was able to make it without killing myself. And these snowshoes made it, but barely. I meant they were just hanging on by a thread before they came completely apart. And I really felt bad. I was thinking, how am I going to tell this fellow that I just destroyed his brand new snowshoes? So I went up to him afterwards. And he says, what in the world did you do? And I says, I don't know what happened. Every time I would take a step, I would step, one snowshoe went on the other. And he says, what, are you crazy? He says, all you had to do was adjust your bindings. And I says, remember when I asked you for pointers? That's the exact information I was looking for. <laughs> well, <laughs> today there's certain things in our life. You start thinking, what is, where's Joe going with this? You know, what has that got to do with the price of tea in China? It has this to do with it. In our lives, we carry things with us that trip us up, that slow us down, that'll make us fall, that'll make us stumble. And, and I was just read an article the other day, and um, I think it was in, um, Fox News on, online. And it was, it was a secular article, but it was done by a, um, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, I can't remember which. And it was, it was about um, the burden that carrying a grudge, unforgiveness, that it places on a person's life. And they weren't talking about spiritual things, but it was easy to relate to the spirit of forgiveness. And it's so important for us. So maybe we're carrying that burden today. Maybe we need to let go of a grudge that we've been carrying for an awful long time now. Maybe we've done some things in our past that we're not too proud of that we would think, oh man, 
I, I don't want anybody to know about this. And so we carry unforgiveness for ourselves, this sense of self-loathing, and we got to get rid of that too. The Lord Jesus came to deliver us from evil, even evil that was started by us. That's what forgiveness is all about. And so, brothers and sisters, as we celebrate what it is, our freedom in Christ, we realize that it's done with a purpose. He's set us free for a purpose, and that's to bring the good news to all corners of the world, even down our street, even in our own families, even in our workplace, wherever it is that we may go. We're supposed to carry the freedom and live the freedom in which, which brings joy, which brings peace. And so if we have a lack of peace, if we have a lack of joy, if we find ourselves sick with worry or anxiety or fear, then we need to give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord Jesus right now and let him take that burden from you. It doesn't mean that our circumstances are necessarily going to change, though often they will. But what it is is our attitude towards them will completely change. And, and what the world is going to throw against us is not stronger than what is in us. Christ Jesus who is in me is stronger than anything the world is going to throw. Amen? Amen? Amen. So we got to give it to the Lord so that we would be released into the freedom that He alone can bring. And I am so blessed to be part of this fellowship. I'm so blessed to have a friend like Ivan Waterbury. Ivan had a call from a dear friend of his um, last, I think it was last fall, last fall maybe. Um, this friend that he, Ivan's from Nebraska. And so this friend that he had, had grew up with, went to high school with, played ball with, played football and baseball with out in Nebraska. Um, I don't know if you'd lost touch, but for a lot of years, they had gone their own separate ways. Well, this fella had gone into the mission field years ago. And last fall, he gave Ivan a call and said, hey, I got a, I got a proposition for you. How would you like to go on a mission trip to Africa? And Ivan, um, his first response was probably, I don't know. I don't like snakes. I don't like lions. I hate monkeys. And there ain't no way I'm going to Africa. But the Lord, the Lord gave Ivan a conviction. And so um, a couple of weeks ago, Ivan got home from Tanzania. And in Tanzania, Ivan landed in the plane that they were flying in. It landed in an airport that was about 40 miles from Mount Kilimanjaro. And as they left the airport and were driving to wherever they were staying, a city called Arusha, which is uh, 1.2 million, I believe. I've never heard of it before, but 1.2 million. A lot, of, a lot of God's people are living there. A lot of God's people that don't know Jesus yet. And so the need for, um, for these wonderful missionaries. And as they're driving to, um, to where they're going to stay, they pass by, by this. This is like the Twelve Oaks Mall of Arusha. This is like a bunch of stalls where people are selling what they've either made or what they can barter. And you can see the, the, how poor um, they, they are in, 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 um, in a measure of worldly wealth. They carry their, their goods on top of their head and they hope that they can just um, exchange it for enough to get by until maybe the next market day. And as they're, as they're going through um, this, then Ivan was, was blessed to go to a village, a, a Boma it's called, right? Boma. And in the Boma, which we would know as a village, they have um, a setup like this, these huts, and then it's surrounded by a wall of like not nettles, but, but thorns, a thorn-like tree that, they, that they you can't get through it. Kind of reminds you of what the thorn of crowns that, or the crown of thorns that the Lord Jesus wore on his head uh, for us. It reminds me of that. But, but we, we see here that if we had gone back 1,500 years ago, a, a, a boma in Tanzania would have looked probably just like this, I would guess. And, um, and the people who live there are from the Maasai tribe. 
the Maasai warriors. Um, if you ever, if you've ever read about, you know, either in social uh, studies when you were a kid or in college, or if you you take an interest in that and read about it in um, in atlases or encyclopedias or uh, National Geographic, they're 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 straight and they're tall and they're muscular and they wear these these red outfits and they look fierce and they have these big huge spears that they kill lions with and they have um, the big shields in the other hand and um, I saw I saw this show where they 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 um, hypothetically pit one army against another. So, for instance, Robert E. Lee's Army of Northern Virginia would face off against Genghis Khan and his murderous horde. And, who, you know, like what they'd measure the techniques that they use, how fierce they are in battle, how loyal they are to their commander and follow orders and all of that. Well, the Maasai warriors, if they weren't, like, standing on top of the mountain at the end of this, this these mythical battles, um, they were real close to the top. These guys are fierce. And you think, man alive, I would not want to run into them if I was in the jungle, right, and they were hungry. I just would, I would not want to, you know, I just would not want to do that. But what happens when Christ Jesus comes into the heart of somebody that does not know him yet? Things change. Tremendous change happens. And people accept Christ and the freedom that he alone can bring, and they give their old ways up, whether they followed a witch doctor um, whether they, whatever they did in the past relied on di- different talismans, or whether, whether they, how many different uh, gods they prayed to, they accepted Christ in their life. And these fierce warriors, who still look pretty fierce, have accepted Christ in their life. So um, Ivan was invited to attend a worship service in a building, and I don't think it was probably as big as this. Definitely didn't have air conditioning. hundred people were in there, um, so it was maybe smaller than this. Um, but it didn't have air conditioning. It didn't have electricity at all. And yet Ivan, if you want to talk to him about it later, um, is, is, uh, is, is, is going to tell you about a worship experience like no other, where, where people gathered together to sing praise to the Lord, and we have them some facing this way, the choir, and some facing that way. And they were a cappella. And not only that, they didn't have any instruments that accompanied them. So, so they were... They were singing praises to God, and, and Ivan will tell you it was like hearing angels sing. This powerful praise when a hundred people who love the Lord, who have been set free and know their freedom in Christ and the word that he brings are set free indeed. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's there for each and every one that is here t- uh, this morning. It's there for each and every believer in Christ. We just need to get rid of the impediments. We, we need to get rid of those things that trip us up. Our dear Jessica just got back from Africa, from Sierra Leone. And I got permission from Jessica. She said I could mention her name. Jessica, would you stand up, please? You don't have to remain standing. Just so that you all get a picture of Jessica. (laughs) Jessica got back from Sierra Leone, which is over on the opposite coast from where where Ivan was. You know, Ivan was over towards the Indian Ocean, and Jessica was over by the Atlantic Ocean, right where Africa bulges out over there. and, and, Je- and Jessica was there for a month. And, um, and Jessica and Ivan, on the 31st of August, are going to share their story with us between the services, between the 10 o'clock when 10 o'clock gets done and before 11 o'clock begins. They're in the sanctuary after it's remodeled and done. We're going to be in there and hear their, their great stories and their testimonies, how the Lord worked in their midst. Well, Jessica was over there working in a hospital, right? And if you follow the news at all, um, there's, there's, there's talk of the Ebola virus, right? This deadly virus that if you get it, 
and chances are great you're not going to get rid of it till you die. And Jessica was there with no thought for herself because of Jesus and the freedom that she has in her Savior. And I know that there's things going on at home that I'm not going to bring up now because it's difficult. But when our own loved ones are suffering at home, as Jessica with her dear grandma, um, rather than being here, she was there bringing the freedom in Christ. And I just got to say hallelujah, praise God. We had a group of mission kids that got back last, um, last night, just before worship, and they pulled up out here, and um, they were in West Virginia, down in the Appalachian Mountains down there where um, it's poor, uh, unemployment is rampant, but because of the lessons that they've learned through Sean in Bible study, um, through worship together, um, through praise, one of, the, one of the missionaries is on the on the, in the madrigals here, Allison. So I'd like to ask anybody that was on that mission trip to please stand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. So lives are changed because of what you've done. When you go to places that don't know the Lord and they see the Lord at work through you, hearts are changed. Hearts are changed. And it's an amazing thing that God, in the, his desire, gives us freedom to make a difference, right? He calls James and, and John, he calls Andrew and, and Simon um, fishermen, and he says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Brothers and sisters, it's time for us to go fishing. God's going to help us set the hook. And may the, may the catch be plenty. May the, may the harvest be bountiful in our lives, even as, even as we bear witness for what's been done to us by the freedom that we not only receive, but the freedom that we live. No matter what the external circumstance or situation, never forget this. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he would die for you. He loves you so much that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, but he's with you right now. He'll never leave you. And so this verse, Christ has set us free. This means we are really free in Galatians. That's out of the, uh, I think, the, the CEV. Um, NIV or American Standard might say something like this, that Christ has set us free for freedom's sake. We are, we are meant to be free, free from sin, free from those things that so easily entangle us. So may that be so for each and every one of us. Beloved children called of God, amen, amen.